Brother Irma, God bless you. It's a joy to be here today. I've never preached in a theater before. This is pretty exciting, and and uh, I've never been on the big screen, or never had the big screen behind me anyway, but uh, it is a joy to be here this morning. Uh, we are from Kentucky, and, and uh, I think you understand that. You know, Kentucky, it's a little bit southern, a little bit down south, a little bit backwards. I, I do have my shoes on. Uh, we, but uh, and I can't say the same for Dougie. But I mean, we, but but uh, this is great. It's a joy to be here. I'm, I'm reminded, just thinking of being from Kentucky. I'm reminded of the two Kentucky boys that was coming down a country path towards one another. One of them had a grass sack in his hand, and and uh, the other one coming the other way and saw him with that grass sack, something moving around in there. He said, "Hey, what you got in that there sack?" He said, "I got me some chickens in this here sack." He said, man, he said, if and I could guess how many chickens you got in that sack, could I have one of them? He said, if and you can guess how many chickens I had in this sack, you can have them both. <laughs> Come on, help me here. It's going to be a long service. You got you to help me out a little bit. So it's a joy to be here in California where uh, I'm, I'm thinking about California and, and how much everything costs in California. That is unbelievable. And, I, you know, you can rent a, you can rent a really nice one-room trailer for like $1,000 a month or something. I don't know. It's, it, it's great. I decided not to move here. And, uh, and so praise the Lord for the joy of, uh, of being here today. I think of the little boy, all the money that's flowing in, in California, you know, all the, all the tech, uh, all the t- what am I trying to say? All the high tech stuff and all the uh, all the all the computers and the and the Silicon Valley and all that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I was thinking of thinking of the all that stuff and this little boy. He was so excited that his wealthy grandfather was coming to visit him. You, you hear about it? He was he was so excited and uh, he couldn't wait. He was up on the couch with the blinds pulled apart, watching for the big limousine to pull up. Finally, did that big black limousine rolled in and uh, little boy was so excited. He ran to the door to meet him, grabbed him around the legs. Grandpa, Grandpa. He said, can you make a noise like a frog? He said, what? what? He said, I guess I can, but why do you ask? He said, because Daddy said, when you croak, we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> That's sad, isn't it? Okay, take your Bible. Hey, did you bring, did, let me ask you something. Did you bring your Bible to church today? Did you? If you did, say Amen. amen. If you didn't say, oh, me, <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Don't, don't you know, crawl, crawl under the pew, you know. But uh, hey, get in the habit of bringing your Bible. And, and I know a lot of you, you you've, got your, you, you've got all your high-tech stuff, and I understand that. And you say, well, this is my Bible. But you know what? I, I'm old-fashioned. I, I don't mind admitting that. Uh, I like to carry my Bible to church. And I like to use my Bible when I'm reading a lot of times where I'm studying because I've, what I've discovered is that you say, well, I, I can underline things in my Bible. If somebody says something that really grabs my attention, man, I can write it in the margin. I, I can get somebody to, to sign my Bible or, or their favorite verse, or I can, I can write something in the margin. I can underline something, circle it. And, I, you know, it's, it's just, you say, well, I can do the same thing. I can highlight uh, on, on, my, on, my, on my phone. I can highlight a verse. If I, yeah, and then next year you've got a new phone. What happened to your verse? Yeah, you, you, Bibles you can have for, you know, they, they pass, you can pass that on to your kids and your grandkids, uh, that kind of thing. Carry your stinking Bible. That's not your stinking Bible. That's not a good word. Carry your Bible, for heaven's sake. And, uh, and get it. You say, well, I don't have one. Well, get one. Get a nice one. Keep it around, and you'll be glad you did. And bring your Bible to church. And, and when the preacher's preaching, underline something. Make a note in the margin. And uh, uh, write a circle of verse that you want to memorize that God used to just speak to your heart. 
heart and, uh, and, and take advantage of that thing. Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 2 this morning. Mark chapter 2, and we're gonna, I want you to follow along there if you can. Now, if you don't have your Bible with you, I'm not mad at you at all, but uh, just, I just wanted to get a little plug in for it for, for future reference and that kind of thing because, I mean, you're trying to build a church here. You got a pastor. You got you got music. You've got a place to meet, a, f- a phenomenal place. And who knows what God's going to do down the road? How God opens doors and and moves and makes things happen. And uh, so you know, you, you, this is the church, and and I, I believe God's going to use it in a great way. Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter two. I tell you what, let's stand together as we read the Word of God and. Uh, I'm going to read just one verse. I'm going to read just verse number one of Mark chapter two. And uh, you can follow along there in your Bible and you can see what I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bible open there, I want you to just read it out loud with me. If you don't, just listen. And uh, I think you'll get the gist of it very, very easily. Bible says Mark chapter two, verse one. Let's read this together. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noised that he was in the house. Wow. Isn't that something? It was noised that he, talking about Jesus, was in the house. Man, I'm telling you, when Jesus is in the house, good things happen among God's people when Jesus is in the house. Let's pray together a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for this great church and, and for Brother Ermler and, Father, for all the folks that have just uh, bonded with him and with this church to say we want to make a difference in this South San Jose area. We, we want to have an impact, and, and we want our own lives to be touched. We want to be blessed. We want to be growing Christians, but we want to impact others. We want to make a difference. And, Father, I pray that you'd help them to do that very thing. And, Father, I thank you for the Word of God. Again, I, Lord, you promised that your word would not return void, but that it would accomplish the purpose for which you, you sent it. And I pray you'd accomplish a purpose in our lives today. Lord, we're a needy people. We need to hear from heaven. And Lord, we know when we open the word of God, it's like I heard a preacher say, when we open the word of God, we're, uh, we're opening the mind of God. And Lord, I pray that, that uh, you would speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Well, I want you to just know a few things here. We're thinking about when Jesus is in the house. Notice that when Jesus is in the house, the word gets out. The Bible says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after, uh, after many days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now, I want you to think of that. Just uh, right there, that word, it was noised that he was in the house. Well, what in the world, how did that happen? I mean, who, who noised it? I tell you who noised it, the people that were there that met him, that saw him. Oh, by the way, uh, it, it was noised that he was in the house. It wasn't by accident, but it was by the word and work of those who had been there and had heard him and had seen him. They went and began to tell everybody they came in contact with. It kind of reminds me of what happens over in, what happened over in Acts chapter 2. I won't take time to turn there, but that was on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says that there were people there from every nation under heaven that spoke in uh, every, all the different languages of all the different nations and the miracle of tongues that you hear about so much that took place that day was somehow God blessed and anointed those apostles and caused them to do something that was so unbelievable and miraculous that it, it made it into the book that when they stood up to speak and they 
they knew Hebrew, but when they stood up, and Aramaic perhaps, but when they stood up to, to speak to the, to the people, the people heard it in their own language. It was amazing. And that was the miracle that they call it the miracle of tongues or the miracle of languages that took place in Acts chapter 2, that the people could hear it in their own tongue, every man in, his own, in Acts chapter 2. But notice what it says there. It says that there, there were some incidents that took place. They were in the upper room praying. The Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them with the Spirit. And Christ had already told them what he wanted them to do to get the gospel out to the whole world. And now all these people were here. This big uh, religious event was taking place. And, and the people from every nation were there in, in Jerusalem at the time. And uh, the Bible says, when this was noised abroad, just like similar to this very word here, when it was noised abroad, the multitudes came together. They wanted to come and see what was going on because these apostles and these early Christians were so excited about what God was doing in their life. They couldn't keep it in. They had to tell somebody. It was noised abroad and it got noised abroad because the people that were involved in it couldn't keep it inside, couldn't keep it to themselves. And so they went everywhere giving the word of God, telling folks, hey, you've got to see what's taking place here. Uh, we're, we're about to have a service. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, Simon Peter, you, you won't believe this. This Simon, I'm, I'm still over in chapter two of Acts now. This same Simon Peter, who the day that they were, that they had arrested Christ and were taking him and were beating him and putting the crown of thorns on his head and all of the things that they did to him. Simon Peter, that same Simon Peter, he wasn't Judas that actually betrayed him, but he was Peter who denied him. Here was Peter out here warming his hands at the, at the fires of the enemy, looking back and seeing Jesus going through this thing. And as a matter of fact, I mean, he, he was so backslidden and so discouraged that when they said, hey, we saw you with him, you're one of them. You're, you're one, of the, one of those guys. And he said, I am not. And they said it again. He denied it again. A third time, the Bible says he cursed and swore and denied that he knew Jesus. Wow, isn't that something? I don't think anybody in this room's probably ever done that. I don't think you've ever cursed and sworn and denied Jesus. But, but Simon Peter did, but he got right with God. And when he got right with God, God used him to preach the first, uh, the first sermon at the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem uh, there on that porch. And he preached that day, and 3,000 people got saved. How in the world did 3,000 people get saved from every nation under the known earth at that time that had gathered together? And they all, and thousands of people showed up, 3,000 of them got saved and baptized that day because somebody got excited about it. There were 120 people in that upper room praying that day. Those 120 people got excited. They started going throughout the whole city saying, hey, you've got to come see this thing. You've got to come see it. Man, this is exciting. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened in Jerusalem. This is bigger than the feast and the festival that you came to celebrate. This is phenomenal. You've got to see this thing. They were excited about it. They were pumped. And ladies and gentlemen, if we'd get excited about what God's done in our own life and the potential of what God could do in our community and for our children and for our grandchildren. By the way, I've been married to that third lady from the end, Nancy. Stand up just a minute. Nancy, that's my wife, Nancy. That's Dougie's grandma. And that's why he is... Uh, uh, she's, uh, we've been married 50 in May, on May the 9th. You might want to write that down. Um, on, on May the 9th, we will be married 52 years, 52, and uh, we've got 
We've got, we've got 13 grandkids and two great-grandkids, and, and one of them's that little cutie back there with the funny-looking hair. And she is a cute, and she a little doll. And, uh, and that, that, that's a, that's, we, what, a, what a blessing. Hey, I don't want, look, I might be checking out of here in the next few years. Uh, who knows? Only God knows all that. But I tell you this, uh, I got, there's a little baby right back there that's, that's going to grow up in this country. I'd sure like to see America turn back to God. Well, what a difference it would make. What a difference it would make. And if, if I, I've, I feel like I've got to do my part right now. I can't just hope it happens. We've got to do something, ladies and gentlemen. Well, anyway, let me get back to the message this morning now. When Jesus is in the house, the, 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 the word gets out. And when the word gets out, the crowds will come. That's the second point. The Bible says in verse number two, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. When Jesus is in the house, the crowds will, the word gets out. The word gets out because of what we do. We have to tell it. We have to invite our neighbors. We have to invite our co-workers. We have to invite our friends. We have to invite our relatives. We have to invite our in-laws and our outlaws and all the other laws. We, it, it's up to us. If the job's going to get done, it's up to you and me. We can't just, again, we can't just hope it happens. We can't just put a sign out and say, boy, we're going to change the world. We've got to open our mouth. We've got to speak up. We've got to be busy. We've got to take some information. Take your bulletin uh, to work with you to, uh, uh, tomorrow uh, or, or take it home with you. Give it to your neighbor. Say, man, you won't believe. Well, what a good day we had at church. Had this crazy guy from Kentucky. He talked funny and thought he was funny. Then, you know, all this kind. But just be excited about what God's doing in your church. Be excited about it. These folks were excited. The crowds came. When the crowds, when the crowds came, the word of God was preached. Jesus preached the word. Bible says, and matter of fact, Bible says in Matthew chapter four and Matthew chapter nine, the Bible says Jesus went everywhere preaching. He preached everywhere he went. He gave out the word of God. He gave out the gospel, the preaching of the cross. The Bible says is the, it's the power of God. It's to them that perish foolishness. The world doesn't understand it. They say, well, that, that's crazy. That, that's crazy talk. But to those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. That's what the Bible says. Man, that's the preaching of the Word of God. And we need to be faithful to preach God's Word without fear, without favor. Just preach the Word of God. Preach the Word as it is to men as they are, and God will use His Word to touch and change people's hearts. That's what He does. That's what He specializes in. I don't have to be a great preacher. I have a great I have a great message, and, and I can give that message to a lost and dying world, and you can do that as well. There's not a person in this room who couldn't take a gospel track or an invitation from this church and hand it to somebody and say, I'd like for you to come visit with us. As a matter of fact, I went and got my hair uh, cut the, yesterday, invited the barber and, and uh, his, his, his girlfriend to come. I don't know if they're here or not. I can't see anybody out there. This is easy preaching. Some, some of the Bible says, you know, not to fear their faces. I can't see anybody's faces. All I see is these little silhouettes all over the place. You know, this is great. I, I preach without fear and favor today, Brother, brother Armler. God bless you. And uh, it's a joy. But when Jesus is in the house, the word gets out. When Jesus is in the house, the crowds will come and his word is preached. The Bible says 
Again, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that believe not, but to those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. The Bible commands us, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Man, we need the preaching of the word of God. We don't need fairy tales. We don't need sports illustrated. We don't need uh, uh, to have all, whatever the latest thing going on in the world. Sure, there's a lot of things we can complain about about this morning and a lot of things about terrorism and earthquakes and, and, and tsunamis and everything else. But what the world really needs is Jesus Christ, that we need to tell them about Jesus. Well, let's, let me tell you point number three. When Jesus is in the house, number one, the word gets out. When Jesus is in the house, number two, the crowds will come. When the word gets out, the crowds will come and the word of God should be preached. I'm saying the word of God was preached here and it ought to be preached. And when the word gets out, when Jesus is in the house, the unusual takes place. Listen, listen to this. This is an amazing passage of scripture. The Bible says, and they come unto him. I mean, I'm in verse three now of Mark chapter two. They come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down a bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. When Jesus is in the house, the unusual takes place. Here's four men that had a friend. Everybody was going to see this Jesus and to hear this Jesus. They had this friend who was paralytic. He was paralyzed. He couldn't get up. He couldn't move. He was bedfast. And, and they loved him. He was their friend. They wanted to do something for him. They cared about him. And so they went to him. They said, hey, Jesus is here. He might be your last best hope to ever be healed. We heard that, that we heard that he's gone around, that he's, that he's, that he's opened blinded eyes and, and opened deaf ears and, and loosed the, 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 the dumb tongue and and help the uh, the broken the the bent limbs and uh, he he's just helped so many people he might could help you can we take you and he said well sure I'd be glad to go but I, I don't have any way to get there and those four men got on the corner the four corners of his bed as I see it in my mind and they picked him up and they said we're going to take you to Jesus and they brought him to Jesus but when they got there the crowd there were so many people there they couldn't even get to the door of the house people were looking in the windows they were down the, the sidewalk or whatever they had there and, and there was no way they could get this guy that they were carrying they said it's a bed probably a cot like thing and they were carrying and they brought him there. They couldn't get in. The crowd was so great. But I tell you what, that's unusual. Let me just stop here just a second. I want you to think about this. I don't know how many folks in this room know Jesus Christ as your Savior or how many are maybe just inquiring, just, just came out of curiosity or are you seeking, trying to discover what to believe or how to believe or whatever. But these men... They were believers, to at least to some degree. They believed that Jesus could help their friend. And they were doing what they could to get him to Jesus. And I want you to think of this. Hold it. Listen. They made an effort. They paid a price. They risked embarrassment. They tore the roof off of a neighbor's house. It wasn't just, they didn't go up there. It was, I've heard all kinds, of, I had reading one commentator 
And that's what they are. These they're commentators. They, and he, and he, he, they, he said, well, in those days, they put trap doors on the top of houses like you would for a cellar or something. And they went up there and they opened the trap door. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they broke it up. And it wasn't like a little hole like you let a fireman down on a pole or something. This guy was on a bed. They didn't just drop him in. They, 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 it had to be probably at least four or five feet long and, and a couple feet wide, a hole that they put in the roof to let this bed down with this man in it. And here's Jesus in the house teaching people packed in all the way around, looking in the windows and down the, all the way out to the wall. People, you couldn't even get near the house. Some way they found their, their way to the roof and they opened the roof and they let the man down. They paid a price. Somebody had to fix that roof after all this was over. Somebody had to pay for the thing. They paid a price. I want to ask you a question. I want you to get serious just a second. Could you make a personal application? Listen to this. When's the last time you did something that cost you something to try to get somebody to Jesus? When's the last time you paid a price? Is your Christianity just, I'm going to go and see what it does for me? Is, is, is church just a, 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 like a sporting event? You just go to watch and see what happens? Or is Christianity a participation event where you say, I want God to use me? And I have neighbors. They, they may not be and have the same need this man had. They've got needs, just like I've got needs. And I know the Lord's made a difference in my life. I'm going to do what I can to try to help my neighbor come to Jesus. Think of that. Think of that. When's the last time you did something unusual to get somebody to Jesus? Do you have gospel tracks here, Brother Emler? Hey, you know, on your way out today, those of you who are Christians, those of you who are part of this assembly, on your way out today, why not get you a dozen or so gospel tracks, put them in your pocket to say, you know what, I'm not going to go back to church next Sunday until I have every one of these, that I've given one of these to somebody, every one of them. I'm going to go back empty and reload And just be, be excited about it. I mean, that's the least you can do. And it, by the way, if you're saved, you do have a testimony, right? I mean, you remember how you got saved? If you don't remember how you got saved or where you got saved or anything about getting saved, then probably you haven't gotten saved yet. All you've got is religion. You just sort of became religious and decided to turn a new leaf and you turn over a new leaf. It's fall. All those leaves were falling. I was thinking about that. You know what happens when you turn over a new leaf? It gets dirty on the other side. You don't need a new leaf. You need a new life in Jesus Christ. And, but if you're truly a blood-bought, born-again child of God, I want to say to you, you ought to ask God to help you do something this week that's going to cost you something. Maybe take somebody out for a meal. Say, hey, come to church. You don't even have to take them very far to feed them here. Hey, come, come to church. Let me pick you up and take you to church, and I'll buy you, I'll buy you lunch after church. Say, well, huh. You know, pay a price. 
Do something different. Do something exciting. Make a difference with your life. Well, I've got to move on. I'm just thinking about this thing. Little boy ran into the, he, he ran into the pharmacy. And he, he said to the pharmacist, he said, hey, mister, could I use your phone? The pharmacist said, sure, son. It's right over there. Help yourself. And the little boy went over there, picked up the phone, dialed the number real quick. And, uh, and the pharmacist couldn't help. He was right there in earshot. He couldn't help but over here. Little boy said, uh, is this Dr. Peterson? He said, Dr. Peterson, he said, I was just wondering, I was wondering if you could use a boy uh, to run errands for you and to, to clean up your yard and pick up the trash and empty the trash and, and, and clean your windows and whatever you needed and sweep up the office. He said, could you use a boy like that? Oh, oh you have a boy already? Oh, okay. Dr. Peterson, are you satisfied with him? Oh, you are? Okay, thank you. He hung up the phone, started out the door. The pharmacist said, hey, son, hold on just a minute. He said, man, you've got a lot of enthusiasm. I could use a boy like you. He said, I, I need, I could use somebody to help around. He said, oh, oh, no, sir, thank you, but I have a job. He said, I just heard you talking to Dr. Peterson. He said, yeah, I work for Dr. Peterson. I was just checking up on myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you ever think about when you come to church, you're not just coming to see whether or not the preacher is going to entertain you, or what, but come to sort of do, have a little checkup on yourself. Say, so, look, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I need to get something from heaven this morning. Most Christians don't think anything about it. They're, they're just in a hurry to get here, usually running right, you know, put, pressing the clock right, right up to the last edge and, and, and getting in. And, and if they have a responsibility, you folks that work here, you folks have responsibility. A number of you do, the greeters and the setup people and the, and the musicians and so forth. And a lot of folks that are, that are busy doing background work. And you say, well, what, what, what are you talking about, preacher? I mean... I mean, before you came this morning, did you spend 15 seconds saying, God, speak to my heart today. Give me something from heaven. Did we come to see what was going to happen, or did we come with an expectation that God was going to do something for us? Now I'm talking about check up on yourself. Get in touch with heaven. Say, God, how am I doing? How am I doing? Okay, let's get back to the message here. When Jesus is in the house, the word gets out. The word gets out, the crowds will come. When the crowds come, the word of God be preached. When the, when the word of God is preached, unusual things take place. In, the, in this case, it was unusual how they got a friend to Jesus. And then they, they had an unusual faith. How much faith did they have? Well, they didn't have enough faith to save the man or heal the man. But what they did have was enough faith to try to get him to Jesus. They had enough faith to do what they could. You can't do everything. I can't do everything. Some of you say, well, man, I'd never be able to get up there and sing like those people. Or I don't think I could get up and, and uh, preach in public. Or, or I don't think I could teach a small group or, or, or whatever. But, you know, God doesn't ask you to do what you can't. God asks you to do what you can. And every one of us can do something. We can do something. And that's what happened here. These men did what they could. They, how much, they had an unusual faith. How much faith? Enough faith to do what they could. Enough faith to just believe that Jesus was the answer. They didn't have the answer. They weren't the answer, but they could get him to the one who was the answer. They had an unusual faith. These men had an unusual, uh, and, and ex, uh, they, they heard an unusual and unexpected statement from the Lord. They went there wanting their friend healed, and Jesus said, said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
All of a sudden, Jesus is talking salvation. He's talking forgiveness. He, he understood this man had faith in him personally. He, was, he believed that Jesus was his answer. And he forgave his sins. By the way, there's not a person in this room today. I don't care what your sins are. I don't, the Apostle Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He had committed himself. He had dedicated himself to destroying Christianity, to closing down churches, and putting Christians to death at every opportunity he could, hauling them to prison and whatever else. That was Paul's goal in life. He was like the, he was like the New Testament ISIS. His goal was to just shut down anybody that was contrary to what he personally believed. And then he met Christ on that Damascus road that day. And he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. He said, I'm the, I was the, I'm the worst sinner that ever walked on the planet, but Jesus saved me. The Bible says we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's a payment for sin, separation from God, in an awful place that Jesus called hell. The wages of sin is death, eternal death, separation from God. The Bible says that God loved us in spite of our sin. Sometimes we have a hard time bridging that, don't we? We have a hard time expressing love to somebody who's contrary to us. We would just soon move them out or get rid of them or do something. But, but God, loved, God loved us. And he loves you. And he wants to save you. If you're here today and not 100% sure that you have a home in heaven, I'm here to tell you God loves you. He sent his son to pay your sin debt. If you're willing to believe that what Jesus did was enough payment for your sin and would trust him as your savior, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'll get back to that in just a minute. I want you to notice something else. When Jesus is in the house, the critics are going to be there as well. Notice this. By the way, anytime you get a group of people, even a group this size together, there's always somebody there that in their heart, in their mind, they're they're there not not to help, not necessarily to hurt, but to critique to critique. They, they're going to check it all out. They, they want, want to see what this... And, and that's okay. Yeah, I think we ought to use our, the brain God gave us. I don't think we ought to be a bunch of mindless robots. I think we ought to know what the Bible says and, and research it for ourselves. I understand all that. But here we're talking about religious leaders. Look at what it says in verse number 6. It says, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak? blasphemies. They called Jesus, in their mind, they called Jesus a blasphemer. Who can, who can forgive sins but God only? See, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be negative. There's always going to be somebody that wants, a, wants to take an opposite view. They're, just, they're, going to be, they're going to have a critical spirit. That's what these guys had. They were sitting there to criticize. They were just waiting for Jesus to say something so they could find some way to twist it. Sort of like politicians, you know. They got to find some way somebody says something or misspeaks. Boy, they're going to jump right on that right away and publicize it and and tell how that guy is is worthless and 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 all that kind of thing. That's what that's what these guys did. 
And I want to say there, hopefully there's nobody like that here this morning. But you know, as this church grows, there's going to be people that come in and they're power hungry or whatever. And, and they're going to be, uh, oh, you see a couple of guys over here in the corner talking and this guy's criticizing. I don't like the way this. Look, you know, there's biblical ways to handle your differences. You talk to people, you resolve things and, and you communicate and, but, but, but this, this person, you know, they, they were just sitting there being critical. Watch out for that. Just don't, don't let somebody use your ear as a garbage can for their, for, for their, for their bad spirit, their bad attitude. That's contagious. You got to get away from there. Get away from there. Be careful who you hang out with. If somebody that's going to be negative and, and down, it's going to keep you from ever becoming all you could be for the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus is in the house, he has the power. Look what it says here in verse 8. It says, And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these, these things in your heart? It's a red letter edition. You ought to try to read red letters in, in, uh, <clears throat> in red lights shining in your eyes. That's good. It's great. He says, uh, he said, uh, whether is it easier to say to the sick of palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy cross uh, and walk. Um, take up thy cross. Take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power. There's that word power. I'm talking about when Jesus is in the house, his power is present. He hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way to thy house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. You see, Jesus has the power to know our thoughts. He knows what you're thinking this morning. He knows my thoughts. As I thought about this message, as I prepared it, as I stand up to preach it. You know, we preachers, we stand up and, and we, we preach how God's people ought to live and what, it ought to, what everything ought to be like. At the same time, we're human too. And we're dealing with our own inadequacies, our own failures, our own need to walk with God on a daily basis and to spend time in his word and spend time in prayer. But the power, he has the power to know our thoughts. He has the power to heal and forgive sins and the power to save. He has, the Bible says down here, it says his power amazed them. It says they were all amazed and glorified God. The power of Jesus Christ, it's an amazing thing. And it, and it brings glory to God. My life verse is found in John chapter 15, verse number eight says this. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. John 15, 8. I, 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 want, I want to be a fruit-bearing Christian. And he has the power to bring glory to himself. And he said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You want to bring glory to God? Win somebody to Christ. Bring somebody to Jesus. Let God work in their heart and in their life. This is a young church, a bright future unbelievable potential. It's amazing how God opened up a door for a facility for you to meet in. And uh, one this comfortable. Man, I was sitting back here in that chair. I said, I don't know if I want to preach or sleep. I couldn't. I mean, it was a nice, great atmosphere. Unbelievable. It's amazing. And, and God opened the door. He's given you talented people here to, to help with so many areas of the work and the ministry, the technology and all the things there. And uh, 
You need to ask God to bless you, to help you. Listen to what it says. Well, I got one last point. I have good news for you. Jesus is in the house. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. He said, again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where, verse 20 here, Matthew eighteen twenty, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, those of us who are saved, if you've been saved a while, you understand this. When you trust Christ, it's like it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's there. He's with you. He's promised never to leave you or forsake you. He said, lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the earth. So we know Jesus is here with us. But somehow, listen, somehow in a very special dynamic, he said, when two or three are gathered together in his name, and I'm certain that there's at least that many here that, that came for that purpose, probably 20 or 30 or more that came in the name of Jesus to honor him, to love him, to worship him. He said, where two or three, that's all it would take. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So it's in a very special dynamic, when God's people come together, Jesus shows up. He's here with us right now. Every time God's church comes together, I believe that's why the Bible says that, that for, the, for Christians to not forsake the assembling of the, themselves together as the manner of some is. He said, there, there are people that are forsaking the assembling of themselves. To you. He said, don't forsake it. Don't forsake it. Be there. Be available. Let God use you. By the way, because Jesus is in the house, I want to be there every time there's a service. And I'm going to find my place of service. And I'm going to be faithful in tithes and offerings. And I'm going to be, I, I, I'm, going to, I, I'm going to noise it abroad. I want God to use me to reach others for Jesus Christ. You think of this. I, I don't know. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation time. There may be someone here today that's not sure of heaven. When we have that invitation time, it's a time where you can come and have someone pray with you. you we can help you right here today before you leave this building, before you go out, back out in that cold, cruel world. You can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can have that assurance that if you die today, you have a home in heaven. And maybe you would want to come for some other reason, maybe just to pray and ask God to help you to maybe be willing to pay a price to reach somebody for Christ. In a crowd like this, I'm sure that there's dozens of people that have a friend or a loved one or a neighbor or a relative, a child, a parent, somebody that's not saved. Or if they are saved, they're not right with God. Well, the day would be a great day for you to say, Lord, if you'll help me, I'm going to do the unusual to try to get them to Jesus. There's somebody. Is there somebody like that that's on your heart? Would you ask God to give you a burden for them? To care about them? To make a difference? To pay a price? Let's bow our heads together, please.